This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hansen. Thurley Ruxton by Philip Virrell Miguels. Chapter 37 The Baron and a Knight. That morning brought little of comfort or hope to Alice Van Kirk, and nothing of relief to Robley Stivrant. No news had arrived. The mystery of Thurley's disappearance and whereabouts remained absolutely unbroken. Stivrant felt doubly despairing. He had learned sufficient from the conference with the Baron to realize that Princess Thurley was tremendously essential to the integrity and future of Herzegotha, and was thoroughly convinced that should she be discovered and returned after this, she must soon complete her alliance with the youthful Duke and completely withdraw from his own existence. Nevertheless, his fanatical desire to serve her to be, if possible, the one particular knight to reach her side and deliver her out of whatsoever dangers might impend, increased upon him hourly. If the fates decreed that his love must be forever hopeless, it would not be thereby lessened. Come what might, that day in the park had knitted a bond between them that nothing could ever wholly sever. A strange conviction that Thurley's doom hung close and loose above her head had haunted his thoughts since the very hour when he heard of the way she had gone. He had fretted with wild and increasing impatience because of this conviction. He was nearly beside himself to be baffled, impotently ignorant of what he ought to do. This enforced inactivity and stupid waiting, while a night went by, seemed enough to drive him crazy. Of what avail was his eager love when he made not the slightest move? Stifling an hourly repeated impulse to seek the aid of the city's police, he could scarcely wait this Sunday morning for the time appointed to meet the Baron at his rooms. When he came there at last, the Baron was no wiser concerning Thurley than at Alice's the previous night. Two of his men were still to report. He could only advise further patience. Wank was still away. At eleven o'clock his two men came, with vital news, and were interviewed in private. They had found Princess Thurvinia. That royally erratic young person was lying dangerously ill, unknown and unsuspected at the home of some loyal, if humble, subjects of Herzegotha, living in unromantic Weehawken. She was unaware of the presence either of Wank, the Baron, or the Duke in New York, and was too reduced to care. Vastly disturbed by this intelligence, and yet in a measure relieved, Hotchhouse was still tremendously concerned with the fate of Thurley Ruxton. The princess might yet succumb and leave his kingdom bereft, while the young duke, ignorant of Thurley's disappearance, was still persistent in his declarations that he loved no one else in the world. 
there was nothing to communicate to stivrant indeed the baron's perturbation grew with the very fact his men had brought him no report concerning the abducted girl he had much to do to maintain the secrecy hedging the princess about to provide her the finest medical attendance to arouse the duke to his highest sense of duty and if possible aid with all his power in saving the girl he knew to be in imminent danger of her life if not already slain he could only tell stiverant to wait later he went to weehawk and skilfully disguised since he felt convinced that his movements were closely observed by zagorski's agents doubtless on his trail at three o'clock a message from out in long island arrived for the young duke carl it was quietly intercepted by the baron's agents and brought to his quarters at once carl wilhelm none the wiser half an hour later the baron returned and the message was placed in his hands stiverin having been twice to alice's was once more waiting and growing momentarily more desperate wank had not only appeared but had not sent the slightest word no sooner had hotchhouse glanced the message over than he strode to stiverin's room he was thoroughly aroused but incisively keen of wit he had leaped at the truth of things as a tiger leaps on its prey stiverant here it is at last he said as robley sprang to his feet prepared to blurt out his impatience with methods so lacking in action i rather thought that something in this manner might appear but i didn't expect man what do you think of this he held up the note to read what is it something from miss Th it's a bit of correspondence addressed to grand duke carl and intercepted by my orders interrupted the baron listen excellency i have found miss thoroughly and send you immediate words that you may hasten to her rescue for you alone will she trust so great is her present apprehension for her life and so great is the warrant for her fears she is a captive in the hands of political enemies of herzegossa at a small village called north winnig on long island one hundred miles out near by and is at an old mill one mile to the eastward of the village where she informs me one of the band has revealed a secret loyalty and desire to render her assistance though through him only will her rescue be possible you must come alone to-night at nine o'clock bringing no assisting friends nearer than the village proper lest you excite suspicion and thereby sacrifice her life on the instant be under the window at the stroke of nine the window at the rear of the mill and do not for the love of heaven attempt her rescue by force of numbers or come otherwise than alone so one man loyal to her highness is expected to go out to-night and return at nine hence one man approaching will arouse no suspicion i shall await your uh, advent myself in the village for god and herzegotha ought to wank postscript i enclose confirmatory note from stiverant 
white with excitement and crouching as if for a spring of action snatched the paper from the baron's fingers pardon he said but where is it where village of north my dear young friend admonished the baron quietly wait don't you see wait said stivert wildly i've done nothing but wait all day i want to get started don't you understand i do said the baron perfectly there is more you have not heard at all this also was enclosed he held up thoroughly's note and read it puzzled at once by its presence in the letter and the method of the address dear carl robley what cried stivert more excited than before it's half addressed to me perhaps she expected thought that i baron i'll take a force of men i mean that we i shall go in my car to fetch her back there may be no railway in miles can your men be ready at once mr stivern sit down commanded the baron sternly can't you see this is merely a trap stivern halted in the act of throwing on his coat and and the sable trailed on the floor a trap it's thoroughly's appeal and it's half addressed to me i don't understand there's nothing to do but get there as soon as the lord will let me why should you call it a trap this letter was sent to the duke i told you that it was but right here robley his name isn't rob it's and it's signed here otto wink your man i know but nevertheless that's the lie of it man the baron interrupted wink it is true is over there somewhere and has made no report but he's under another name and on no account would send me a line or a line to the duke with his own name actually attached you mean i mean that was my orders absolute orders furthermore he would never in a case like this send a line to any one save myself while it is uh, perfectly preposterous for him to urge the duke into such such a noose as this a trap a clumsy trap in this sort of bait i've expected stivern paled but good heavens baron how could this note from thoroughly not a forgery you think i am not prepared to say it may be genuine it may be all a lie this wank note is a forgery and clever as the fiends it sums up all a trap my son to compass a double murder stivert went white about the mouth murder sit down urged the baron more quietly this is a matter of life and death to the beautiful woman i feel you would serve to the utmost limits of your strengths my life my life i mean it sir then in the name of the heaven you implored be calm a little and assist me as far as you may you think she's alive she may be there that that village north winning it is the barest hope in the world it is far more likely she is far away in another direction god alone knows where and yet it is all we have at present and you might at least investigate though the dangers i warn you are great 
the younger man was confident. "'I'll simply take a dozen men, picked fighters, gunfighters at that, and clean up. So I feared.' It was dryly remarked, and the baron screwed up his mouth. "'If she is there at all and alive, your course would ring her knell the instant your men appeared. It is no idle threat, that part of uh, the letters that warns the duke he must be certain to come alone. His friends no closer than the village. Of what avail are friends a mile away?' Then. I'll go alone, though all the demons out of the Hades, and be quietly captured there beneath the window. Then they find you are not the dupe. What then? And you wouldn't expect, with a letter as false as this, that Miss Thurley, as you call her, would be standing at the window waiting to leap into your arms? Stiverant saw the situation, yet clung to a species of hope. "'Good heavens, man! Do you expect me to do nothing? If she's there at all, and in momentarily danger of her life, I've got to take a chance, that's all.' "'And give yourself none,' commented the baron dryly. "'If you mean to help in this affair, go over, if you please, to Norse Winnig with your car and your man, and ascertain, if possible, whether or not any strangers have recently come to that neighborhood in particular circumstances, and are occupying any old mill. And then? Then report to me, or at most adopt some sane expedient for the safe delivery of the captive, should you find her actually imprisoned and alive thereabouts. But you, demanded Stivert, in the meantime, you are certainly as deeply interested, perhaps more deeply interested. Where will you be with your men? Uh, what will they be doing? Scouring the darkest, farthest corners of all New York, said the Baron laconically, endeavoring to retrieve any time we may lose by sending you off to this village. Then you think she isn't there, the Baron smiled. It would be almost too good to be true. I shall go and see, said Stivert. God grant I may find her safe. He flung on his coat, which had fallen to a chair. Amen to that, answered the baron, his fine old mouth slightly twitching in his eyes, suspiciously moist. Then he placed his hands on Robley's shoulders. "'Don't take the slightest unnecessary risk, my boy,' he added. "'Serve her as far as you like, with your life if you must. "'But be certain first it is a service. "'My affection for you is great. "'To sacrifice another life, youth, take no risks, no risks, "'that can do no good in the end.' Styrant was greatly affected.' His fine young face took on an expression approximating sublimity. "'I would go through anything to serve her,' he said simply. "'And, because she has written Robley here, I am certain she lives, and sent this note, and expects, well, someone at nine o'clock to-night.' The baron could say no more. He wrung the young man's hand with 
tremendous intensity and watched him go out at the door then he sank on a chair limp and wretched staring at the carpet he knew what the dangers were into which this youth would plunge the dangers into which he confessed he had feared thoroughly ruxton would fall god help us all he murmured i must serve herzegossa first End of chapter 37